Hi there, and welcome to the Grief and Rebirth podcast. I'm your host, author and trauma survivor, Irene Weinberg, here to encourage you wherever you are in your healing journey. In each episode, I chat with incredible grief and trauma specialists, healers, mediums, and celebs, as well as remarkable people who have inspiring healing stories to share. If you're looking for a podcast that's both uplifting and inspiring, you've found it. Let us help you find your joy in life. Hi, everyone. I truly hope this finds each of you so very well. I'm speaking to you from my studio in West Orange, New Jersey. Really happy to welcome Brian Smith, whose remarkable mission is to help others who are dealing with death and a fear of death back to Grief and Rebirth podcast. Brian will be speaking to us today from Westchester, Ohio, where he lives with Ty, his wonderful wife of 30 years, with whom he raised two beautiful, successful, kind, and compassionate daughters. After their daughter, Shana Elaine, which means beautiful light, passed at the age of 15, Brian's spiritual quest intensified, and he is now an expert on the afterlife. Brian, who has had careers in engineering and business-to-business technology sales, currently operates his own internet retail company. He is also a grief guide, a life coach, the host of Grief to Growth podcast, and the author of Grief to Growth, Planted, Not Buried. In addition, he is active on two extraordinary boards, the remarkable Soul Phone Foundation, which is dedicated to teaching the scientific, clinical, and experiential evidence that clearly shows that life continues after the death of the earthly body and helping parents heal the exceptional and inspiring online group that offers an enlightened avenue of relief for the grief that accompanies the death of a child. I'm looking forward to talking with Brian about how Shana's passing led to his work with helping parents heal, the way Shana has come through to Brian and Ty from the other side, and how Brian both supports others through their grief journeys and helps them to find purpose in their lives with his remarkable honesty, straightforwardness, and love. And I have absolutely no doubt that Brian's remarkable honesty, straightforwardness, and love will also permeate this interview, gifting all of us with a moving, inspiring, and healing experience. Hey, Brian, a warm, heartfelt welcome back to Grief and Rebirth podcast. Hey, Irene, thanks. It's, it's great to be here, and it's always good to see you and, and feel your energy. It's it's gray, it's cold here in Ohio and, and January, and you're just like a breath of sunshine, so good to see you. Thank you so much. Glad to shine along with you, Brian. <laughs> it's kind of gray and cloudy here in, in New Jersey, too. We actually had some snow last night. So we're both uh, we're both in the uh, cold. We're warm in the cold. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So let's start here. Uh, please explain how you were deeply scarred by toxic religion and transitioned from growing up Pentecostal and becoming a Christian universalist to going on a long spiritual quest and becoming spiritual, but not religious. And I have to admit to you, Brian, as a Jewish kid from uh, Miami, that I don't really understand what Pentecostal is. So please educate me. Yeah, a lot of people don't. 
Um, the thing is, I grew up, my grandfather was the pastor of the church I grew up in, my father's father, and his parents were both ministers. So I grew up in a, in a, in a family where it was just assumed that we would all be Christians. Uh, Pentecostals tend to be what we call today maybe fundamentalists, close to evangelicals. Uh, Pentecostals can, act, can actually be even more extreme, like women can't wear pants, you can't play uh, with playing cards, no drinking, no smoking, no dancing, no going to the movies, They don't have fun. That's, that's the extreme <laughs> of Pentecostals. So that's what I grew up with, and that wasn't really the problem. The problem was this idea that there was this God in the sky who was going to judge me. And I don't, I didn't understand why this guy was so angry at me and why he created me to be this, this sinful creature that I had. To, and there's also this concept of original sin, that you're born into sin because Adam and Eve sinned. So this, this plagued me. And for a lot of people, they just kind of slough it off, but I'm a very sensitive person and I'm a very visual person. So we'd sing these, these songs about Jesus being covered in blood and stuff like this. And it just really disturbed me from so from the time I was about eight years old it just didn't resonate well with me when I was a teenager I started having panic attacks and I felt like I was dying and of course feeling like you're dying and thinking you might go to hell was even worse fast forward like 15 or 20 years I decided to get into counseling I got some counseling I got that kind of healed and I decided to go on a quest what's the truth this cannot be true this guy that they tell me is loving this is not a loving person and by this time, I had, I'd had my daughter, my first daughter, Kayla. And I thought, when I had Kayla, they said, God loves you more than you love your daughter. And I said, if God loves me more than I love my daughter, there's no way God would ever send me to hell. This makes no sense. Long story short, I discovered Christian universalism, which is the idea that Jesus died for everybody and that we'll all ultimately be saved, which I do believe in a sense now, except Jesus did not die for our sins. So I went from Christian universalism, which was a huge relief, into really starting to study the afterlife from other perspectives because I thought I was raised Christian. I'm a Christian because I was raised Christian, but that's mean everybody else is wrong. So what did the Hindus think? What did the Jews think? You know, I studied Kabbalah. I studied the Bhagavad Gita. Did you go to Did you go to school for this, or did you start reading books? Or just or on my own. Just, on just around. on my own. And you know, and the thing is, we live in such a world now with the internet and with books. You can just, I mean, I've yeah. got a whole library upstairs. You know, I bought the Bhagavad Gita. Um, you know, I bought wow. Dao Zhe Xing, so I and I read them for myself. So, so I start reading these things for myself, and I realize there's a common thread that runs through all of this. And a lot of these things predate Christianity by thousands of years. And so I, I started studying that because I'm a scientific person, also my degrees in chemical engineering. I thought, what does science have to say about this? So I started studying science and philosophy. And it all dovetails together. It all fits beautifully together once we get outside of the bonds of religion. So I'm very, very happy for my religious background, my upbringing. I still quote the Bible a lot. It's funny because sometimes I think people might think, well, this guy is really kind of a fundamentalist or a Christian. I'm not, but I believe there's a lot of gems in the Bible. Um, I'm related to Thomas Jefferson. And one of the things he said was he went through the Bible and he said, I separate the, the diamonds from the dung. So he literally just cut parts of it out. There's a lot of good stuff in, in the Bible. There's really a lot of good stuff, but there's a lot of crap in there too that that men threw on top of it. So I kind of approach it from both ways. Now I can talk to the to the religious people, but I'm also approaching things from a scientific perspective. Right. And as you became more spiritual, but not religious, that was that that was that became even more so once Shana had passed and all of that, or that was before 
you were you you were making that transition already. I was making that transition already. It's interesting. My, my wife and I raised the girls going to church and we, we went through a couple of different churches. We started with an evangelical church and then we moved to the Unity uh, uh, United Church of Christ and then we moved to a Unity Church. We were, we were kind of moving in that direction. Um, when, when Shana passed, we were going back to an evangelical church because it was just easy and it was big and you know all that kind of stuff. And when she passed, I told my wife, I can't do this anymore. I, I can't I can't even pretend to do this anymore. So we've got to find something else. So the last church I went to is Unity. I still love Unity Church. I think it's a, it's a fantastic organization. Um, but I don't go to church anymore. I tell people, my church is what I'm doing with you right now. My church is talking to people every day. My church is I walk every morning out in nature. Um, I meditate every day. I don't I don't need for that. I mean, I have nothing against it. It's good to bring yourself in community. But I have other community now. I am exactly the same way. I, I you know, this is this is it for me too. Yeah. Could you describe for everyone Shana's passing and the series of synchronistic events that led you to the leaders of helping parents heal and other prominent people in the spiritual world? Because I know you met quite a few. Yeah, you know, I wish I could. <laughs> that would take all afternoon. But let me give you a real quick point, a real quick thing. And this is where I learned. This is this is the most ironic thing. I thought that the universe was a cold, hard, random place before. First, I thought there was an angry God, right? And then I thought the universe was cold, hard, and random. And when Shana passed is when I realized that the universe is actually magical. It's actually lined up in our favor. And everything that happens, happens for, I believe, a reason. I know some people, that's a controversial thing we can get into. But when Shana passed, someone said to me, you should reach out to this guy named Mark Ireland. I'd never heard of Mark. I said, Mark lost his son. He wrote a couple of books. Just reach out. He might be able to help you. So I sent Mark an, e an email. Mark emails me back. We had a little bit of a conversation. He ended up gifting me both of his books. He said, let me send my books to you. And I read them like, this is really pretty cool. And for people that don't know, Mark Ireland's father was one of the best mediums that's ever lived, Richard Ireland. And so I learned about his father and stuff. And then I learned that Mark had started this organization called Helping Parents Heal. My daughter and I liked the girls like to go on vacation. We always went to the beach. So Kayla, the year after Shana passed it, I don't want to go to the beach. I don't want to go without my sister. Let's do the opposite. Let's go to the desert. Let's go to Phoenix, Arizona. My Kayla had never been there. My wife had never been there. I'd only been there once. So we go to Phoenix. That happens to be where Elizabeth Boisson lives. She's the other founder of Helping Parents Heal. So while we're there, I'm like, well, we might as well meet with Elizabeth while she's here. You know, she's the founder of this organization. So I meet with her. Uh, we decide my wife and I to become leaders of helping parents heal. So we decided to start a chapter here in Cincinnati where we live. And uh, then it just goes on from there. We, st we met Mark Pitstick because he happened to be doing a seminar near our house. So we met Mark and Mark was doing a another seminar down in Florida with Suzanne Giesman. And my wife had, had, had discovered Suzanne. So we went to that seminar. So we met Mark and Suzanne. That's how I ended up on the soul phone uh, or, uh, project with Mark. And I met a couple other people helping parents heal. And it just goes on and on from, from there. Um, and, you know, it just, I started listening to podcasts and I go to, a, I go to a conference and Sandra Champlain happens to be there. And so she and I met and that's what inspired me to do my podcast, frankly. That's marvelous. It's just, yeah. it's when, when you really open up to the way life works, you can really see these things kind of tying together. So it's pretty amazing. Yeah, I've had the same experience. Shana, did Shana pass in her sleep? She did, yes. She passed in her sleep. Mm -hmm. 
so hard. And tell us how she's come through to you and Ty, which is so wonderful. And letting you know for sure that she's around and on the other side, but she's with you. Yeah, she's come through in so many ways. You know, she comes through, of course, in dream visits. She comes through in signs like feathers and coins and animals. And I've documented some of those things. I have a blog that, I, that I've documented them on. Um, she comes through through mediums. It's really wild because, as I said, we've met Suzanne Giesman and I've met a couple other mediums. So she'll drop in on people. And and, and some, some are professional mediums, some aren't. And she'll send us messages. There's always some evidence tied to it. It's always something. It's not just like Shana says she loves you. It's like Shana says you were doing this yesterday, or Shana says you have a question for her, um, uh, you know, stuff like that. So she's come through pretty much every way you can imagine. Sometimes not so great. Like one time my computer stopped working, and for a couple of days I thought I was going to have to buy a new computer. And uh, I finally ended up, it was where it was mysteriously stopped working, and then it mysteriously started working. And I had a reading with the medium a couple of weeks later, and she said, Shana says she messes with your computer. Oh. Said, Tell Shana to stop doing that because, you know, show me signs, but don't break things. Because she, one time a circuit in the kitchen went out, and I know that was Shana because right before I was going to go get it repaired, it just suddenly came back on. The ceiling fan in our in our bedroom would come on just by itself, and we'd, come, we'd go upstairs and the light would be on and the ceiling fan would be running. Um, so all, all kinds of things like that. Um, Bumper stickers that are just really beyond belief, like uh, the day of her fifth uh, anniversary was a, a tough day, of course. And I'm driving my wife. She just had knee surgery, so I'm taking her to therapy. And I'm thinking, I don't dare ask for a sign, but, you know, it'd be nice if I got a sign. And I look up, and in front of me, there's a car with a bumper sticker that says, I'm right here. Oh, my and, goodness. And, I mean, just like in big letters, my wife goes, did you see that? And I, I, was, it's, I completely overlooked it. And then we live in Ohio, and there's this, this this sticker thing where it's like the word home, where the the O is the, the outline of the state that you live in. And on the back window of this car was home, even though it had Kentucky plates on the car. So um, I was like, that was a sign from Shana. So she comes through lots of different ways. It's very comforting because I've experienced the same thing with my husband and then also with my mom who recently passed and makes a lot of difference to the to the grieving process and everything mm -hmm. um how did shana's passing and your work with helping parents heal inspire you to become a grief coach and i have to say brian i can't think of anyone who's probably a better would probably be a better grief coach than you because you really live this and you really understand it so first of all tell everyone why a person would need a grief coach and then how you know tell us about how you were inspired to do this work well, this is this is also crazy. The, I, I like to write. Shana liked to write. So we're, we're both, you know, both writers. And I've had blogs on and off for years. I'm on the internet. I'm always putting stuff out there. The day after Shana passed away, I said, I've got to start a blog. I don't, this, this was an idea that I can only say came from spirit. I don't know why I decided to start a blog. Um, so I started a blog to document, document my journey. So just literally day one, day two. And almost every day for the first couple of years, I would make an entry. Um, so I started doing that. I was working with Helping Parents Heal, talked to hundreds, if not thousands of parents, you know, doing that work with Helping Parents Heal, help, helping to run the meetings and everything. And you and I, before we before we hit the record button, we were talking about a mutual friend, Kat Bailey. So I was doing some work with Kat Bailey, just with Helping Parents Heal and stuff like that. And one day, Kat sends me a message and says, I saw this life coaching course. I thought you might want to take it. And I thought, 
Wow. Why would you think I want to take a life coaching course? I've never said anything. And I never thought about being a life coach. I frankly thought at that time, life coaches were kind of a joke, right? It's like, these are what rich people go to because they don't have enough to do with their money. So I took the course and I was really, really impressed with the guy, the course that I took. And I thought, well, this will help me in my work with helping parents heal. And then I was listening to Suzanne Giesman's podcast. And there was a guy on there named George Cow, who was her business coach. And I, I heard about George and I, I was just attracted to George. So I reached out to him. He said, I've got this master heart thing coming up for the next year. I'm teaching business leaders. I own my own business. I own a retail business selling hair care products. So I thought, well, maybe he can help me in that business. So about four months into that, I realized, okay, I'm supposed to start a life coaching business. That's why I'm doing this. That's why Kat told me to take that course. That's why George came into my life. So April of 2019, I guess it was, I started up uh, the life coaching business uh, with the specialty really in helping people that are grieving. Right. And just tell us briefly for people who are grieving, Okay, I'm grieving. I'm told I'm reading books. I know that there are like maybe there's certain processes I'm supposed to go through and all that. Why would a grief coach help me? Why do I need someone to guide me through my my grief? Yeah, that's a great question. And I've done a lot of work with grief professionals. And, and it's funny because I work with uh, Dr. Terry Daniel, who's one of the top people in the country, at least on grief. I know Terry. And, yep. and we've taught a lot of courses together. And the one of the things that I've learned as I've gone through this is most people do not need a grief coach. Most people do not need grief counseling. Grief is a natural thing. It's not a pathology. But that's like for like when your grandmother passes away in her sleep. You know, we all know that death is part of life. Um, the thing is, when you when you need someone to help guide you through it is when you've got what we call complicated grief. So it's complicated by feelings of guilt. If it's an out of order thing, like losing a child, if, it, if they're religious blocks, maybe, you know, I, I, they're telling me my daughter went to hell, you know, or stuff like that, or it's, or it's my fault that someone passed away. That's when you need someone to kind of help, you know, guide you through it. And then it's also really important that I say, I'm not a mental health professional. I'm not a psychiatrist or a psychologist, um, but I can help people. I can, I call myself a guide. I was talking with a business coach one time. He said, explain to me what you do. And I told him, he said, you're a guide. You're like a navigator. So the person's driving the car, you're sitting in the seat. They say, this is where I want to go. And you help them get there. So that's what I do with people. Uh, I really help people to reframe their experience. I, I, I come from more of a spiritual perspective rather than like, I'm going to help analyze you. The thing about coaches and guides, we don't so much look back in your life to try to figure out how you got to be where you are. We look at where you are now and, and where you want to go and most mental health professionals they don't they don't really help with that where you want to go they're like can we help you with your whatever your pathology is so i help people with like, like i said reframing it finding purpose in your life again modeling is a really really big part of it someone like yourself who's been through with, with the loss that you've been through someone like myself people come to me they're attracted a lot of times because they're like i know what you've been through i see where you are now i see that it's possible I want to get there and I can help people. Okay. Here are the steps you need to take. Here are the practical things you need to do. Right. That makes so much sense. Can you give us a story of someone you've helped to heal in your role as a grief coach? You have like a, a yeah. sterling example because I'm sure you have helped quite a few people. Yeah. I think I, I have helped quite a few people. You know, it's interesting because every single person is different. They're different in what they need. Um, I do have a little bit of a structure, but it's not really a structured program or anything. 
it's it's really helping you know kind of talking to them about it when you you sent me this question last week to get me prepared which i appreciate and i was thinking about a client so i, I this was um her son his birthday is in early just it was in late december so right before christmas you know just, uh, which 20th. is so hard <laughs> and you know thanksgiving those things are hard so yeah she she was making a, a life transition during the summer she was changing jobs and so she called me and we talked that through as to why that might be good or not good for her and we so we worked through that process and then we talked at thanksgiving because um her kids are going to be different places and her son wasn't going to be there so helped her kind of reframe that so we're talking the day of his birthday right before christmas and so she, it's like eight o'clock in the morning for her which is er i think pretty early so she goes, yeah, I got up this morning and I did my meditation and I did my gratitude practice and I'm talking to you now and then I'm going to do a walk. And she goes, and today is my son's birthday. So we're going to get together. We're going to, we're going to, uh, some people are going to get together and do something he would like to do. We're going to go to an animal shelter. We're going to walk dogs. And I'm thinking, wow, I'm really impressed with her, her practice. And then it dawned on me. It's like, we've been working together for over a year now. It's like, she was doing these things because these are the things she and I worked on. So I realized that that I had actually helped her develop this practice where she was like, I'm doing gratitude, I'm doing meditation, I'm doing my exercise, you know, I, I am honoring my son on his birthday rather than sitting around and moping. I've created this ritual that we're going to do. She said, I think we might start doing this on a yearly basis. And I was just, I, I get goosebumps now just thinking about it, that that was someone... Cause I, like I said, my first thought was like, this is really cool that she's doing all that. And I realized, oh, it's because we've been working together. That's wonderful though. You really helped her uh, because it's so easy. And we all know this, those of us who have grieved grievously, it's so easily to slide into that tunnel of despair. And I think what you're doing is giving them a detour out of that tunnel so yeah. that they can uh, kind of refocus. Um, and I think that's wonderful. Uh, yeah. That's great. I mean, especially if you're, if you don't have like huge mental health issues, but you just are lost. Right. It's right. like, you're, you're giving them a hand to help them to guide them out. That's and great. Help, and helping people to reframe things. And as I said, because it's funny, our, our, her lives are parallel because my daughter's, I have a daughter who's a birthday and like right around Thanksgiving and then Shana's birthday is in January 13th. And we've got Christmas and new year and all that stuff. So this could be a really hard time. Right. So you know, I'm also there as kind of like, a, you know, that, that day she had somebody to talk to, you know, that was, that was a way for, for her to kick off her day by me talking to her, kind of helping her to frame the day, say this is going to be the plan for the day and giving her something to focus on other than just her loss. That really makes a huge difference. And I want to ask you also about that when you're doing grief um, coaching, you also have something that you call weaving the loss into the landscape of your life. Is that something like what you're talking about now? It really is because the thing is, you know, for people that are, I, I, for people that watch me on video, you'll know my daughter is always behind me when I'm doing my, when she I do my was, podcast. It's so. beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, so, um, you know, that's an example of what I'm talking about. You know, I, the work I do, I do it to honor my daughter. Uh, I've got big pictures of her up over the house, you know. I, every day, and you and I talked again before we got on here, about our loved ones being in spirit and we can think oh that's great they're in spirit i'm going to see them again well that's a wonderful thought but they can also be with us and are with us right now and that's an even better thought so what i do which with shana is i do she's part of my life she's part of my daily life you know i, I mentioned shana's name several times a day i say good morning to her when i get up in the morning i say good night to her when i go to bed at night um she's the first thing on my mind in the morning and 
And when I take my dog out for the last time at night, I look up at the sky and I say, you know, I say good night to her. And I That's beautiful. One of the things that get me gets me through is that knowing I'm going to see her again. But but again, that she's with me and she gives me evidence of that. Yeah. Yeah. I feel the same way um, with Saul and with my mom. And it really does make a huge difference. Really. Mm -hmm. It's marvelous. And you also have a customized approach to creating a day to honor and celebrate a deceased loved one. What's that like? I'm sure it's different for everybody, right? Yeah, so you have to it, get very creative as, as to who they are and their needs and all. Yeah, what we do is we talk about like, like for example, what's your loved one's favorite thing? Colleen, I was just talking about her son loved animals. So they decided to go to an animal shelter and walk the dogs for his for his birthday. Uh, my daughter, Shana, loved pizza and ice cream. So every January 13th, we have pizza and ice cream, you know, in her honor. Um, again, I was talking to this client about like Christmas with her son's birthday being so close to Christmas. And, you know, we came up with the idea. And I said, why don't you maybe make a small tree just for him? So that when everybody walks into the room, it's a way of honoring him. You look at that tree and you think of him. So put put his fa favorite things on the tree. Uh, in our case, we started collecting Christmas ornaments for my daughter Kayla when she was born. And so we bought these things called snow babies. So she's 25 now. We've got about 26 or 27 snow babies. And she displays them on a table because they don't fit on the tree anymore. And then with Shana, she loved penguins. So the tree has become Shana's. So the tree is covered with penguins and the table oh, is covered. Wonderful. Yeah. So when, it, when we look at the Christmas tree and we switched after Shana passed away to purple lights because that's her favorite color. Um, so it's whatever, whatever reminds you of your loved one, whatever brings joy to what brought joys to them, let that bring joy to you. And I, I want to say this one thing, cause I thought this was really cool. Uh, after Shana passed, my daughter Kayla was having a reading with the medium and and, you know, she felt survivor guilt, like you would expect. She's three years older than her sister. Sure. I don't want to be here without her. And so starting to go through these things in her life, graduations and, you know, birthdays and, and, and all that weddings and, you know, possibly coming in the future. And what this, this Shana said through this medium is I will always be with you. So don't ever feel guilty about, about celebrating something without me celebrate it even more because I live it through you. And so we include Shana in all the celebrations that we have in the family in, in some sort of way, whether it's lighting a candle, having a picture of her there. Uh, when my nephew got married, I was so proud of him. Like all the girls had a picture of Shana at the hem of their dresses and all the guys had a picture of her uh, behind their ties. Um, so she was there that day and it brings tears to my eyes even think about that even now. That's wonderful, wonderful. Um, do you also help people who have lost pets, Brian? I mean, for some people, pets are the, they're their children. Absolutely. Yeah. Pets they're are their furry babies. Pets are, can be just as close to us, if not closer to us than humans. Grief is really any type of loss, anything that you, that you feel like you, you, you've lost. So it could be grief over loss of a job, over the loss of a marriage, you know, whatever, all these things can send us into grief. And just this morning, it's funny you asked this question. I was talking with a, a young man from Brazil. And he was telling me he scheduled this appointment with me three days ago because his cat had gone missing. And he'd been studying, you know, NDE's experience and stuff. And he said, I realized how much I love this cat. He's a single guy. And he just broke up with the relationship. And he goes, my cat had gone missing. He said, now I feel silly now because the cat came back, but I, I wanted to go through with the appointment with you anyway. And I said, thing is, I've had, I've had three dogs. Um, I know what it's like to lose a pet. It's, it's the same as losing a human. And, and I know some people might argue with that, but anybody that's had a pet, I think you'll probably agree with me. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so that's good to know. So if someone's going through a, a hard patch over their pet, you're not going to laugh and you're going to help them with that. And that's oh, really great to know. Absolutely. Pets are, are so important. You know, the, the right. thing about pets is they love us unconditionally. You don't get in a fight with your dog or your cat. You know, they think you're the greatest thing ever. So yeah, you put out that plate of food and you play with them. Hey, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So pets are really important. And the good thing yeah. is we will see our pets again. You know, yeah. I, I know you, you, your book is they serve bagels in heaven. Our pets are going to be in heaven too. And some people absolutely. question that. Do animals have souls? They absolutely do. I've been through, I've been in a lot of, um, with mediums and pets come through. Mm -hmm. And they describe them and everything. It's just wonderful. Okay, so now you're a grief coach, but you're also a life coach. So I like it. The grief coach is somebody, you know, you're helping people through this tough time when they're struggling. But in, as a life coach, there, that's more for people who feel out of balance and aren't kind of stuck in their lives, right? They're no longer moving forward. So do you want to share about your work as a life coach and give us an example how someone transformed with you? Sure. No, yeah, because they're they're very close, but they're not exactly the same. But right. a, life, a person who's a life coach is a person who does feel stuck or feels out of balance. It's exactly a great way of putting it. You don't know where you want to go. You feel like you have no sense of purpose or you know where you want to go. and You don't know how to get there. So if you come to me and say, I don't know where I want to go, we could do like a, a life balance assessment. So how, how balanced do you think your life is spiritually, family, um, work, uh, leaving a legacy behind? Are you having trouble with your finances, getting your finances in order, uh, physical health? There's like seven different areas we can look at and say, which of these areas do you feel like you're not really functioning very well in? And which one, which one of these do you want to focus on, you know, now? Because we don't really necessarily want to focus on all at the same time. And then once we find an area we want to focus on, we look at what are your core values, okay? What do you value? What do you want to do? What are your beliefs? What do you believe you can do? And we look at your values and your beliefs and see where do we want to go. We look at your beliefs to see where they might have you stuck. And then we put together a, a very, uh, a program that's going to give you success for mm -hmm. getting from here to there. Mm -hmm. um, because we, we, we tend to look at things from A to Z and we say, oh, I'll never get there. It's too much. So I'm, I'm like, okay, how do we get from A to B? How do we get from B to C, right? So we'll put together a program and then it's, it's about accountability. I, I found with most people I work with, it's just like just knowing that they're going to talk to me motivates people, right? I, I, I worked with a young lady and she had a, she had a, a son and she was really in her son, which was fantastic, nine-year-old kid. But she was she had no social life and she was not eating right. She wasn't exercising because she was focusing everything on her son. And the thing is, you might know that on some level, but once you articulate that to someone and realize that's not fair to you and then ultimately it's not going to be fair to him, then we say, well, what's the plan? Well, let's see how we can work our social life out a little bit better. Sounds like her life was really out of balance. Right. So how do we how do we bring more social? How do we spend more time with adults? How can we plan that out. How do we get to the gym, you know, or, or go for a walk. And after, a, you know, after just a couple of weeks, after a couple of sessions, she's like, well, I'm, I'm going to the gym more often now. I'm, I'm out meeting people, you know, still loving her son and still taking care of her son, still high, high priority in her life. But bringing some of these other things back into balance with that, because even as parents, as much as we want to give everything to our kids, it's not fair to them or to us to to, to, to neglect ourselves. So that's, that's how you can, I can help people as, as a life coach. Actually. And by the way, you helped her to be a really healthy role model for her son, because he's got to learn about 
living in balance also with things that are going to happen in his life. So yeah, yeah, exactly. He helped even be a better parent in a certain way. And, and there's so many people that think, well, I'm going to be a great provider for my child by putting everything into my work. Um, and then I'm just going to give them so much material stuff. And then I've seen you know, children that grow up and, and resent their parents because they never got the love and attention that they right. needed. Right. Children want attention more than they want, than they want material stuff. So if we're, and sometimes that idea of, of working so hard can be because of a deficit we have about ourselves thinking that's going to make us a, a better person or a quote successful person. So we talk about what's, what does it really mean to be successful? What is the real reason why you're here? Is it is it to make money or is it to have, you know, another impact? And I I work with so many people that are just doing great things. And you're like, Brian, I just don't feel like I have any life purpose. And I'm like, but you just I'll, I'll, I'll talk to them for half an hour because I offer everybody a free half hour compliment session. I have yet to meet a person I wasn't totally impressed with the first 30 minutes I've spoken with them. But they just they undervalue themselves. They, under, they undervalue their contribution to society. They're so hard on themselves. And one of the big things I do as a life coach, one of the biggest things I do is I'm a cheerleader. I'm like, you are, you're fantastic. I talked to a guy the other day. He had moved from Australia to Singapore or to um, Cambodia to wow. help to to work to end uh, sex trafficking. Oh my and gosh! He goes, and he goes, I just don't, I'm not very good at making decisions. And, you know, I, I don't follow through. I said, I said, you just told me you moved from Australia to Cambodia to help people in the sex, you know, get people out of the that's sex amazing. trafficking industry. That's, that's incredible. But he didn't see it in himself. So what I, I, I am, I'm a mirror back to people to say, you are incredible just as you are. Okay. We can work on moving forward as well. I mean, I never turn anybody down that wants to move forward. But first of all, understand that where you are is, is pretty special. Well, you know, you're giving, you're doing something absolutely marvelous, which we all need in life. You see them. Right. right and a lot right. of times I think they grow up and they weren't seen also. I mean, they may be achieving all these things and maybe there are different reasons that they're doing all of this, but you literally witness them, which mm -hmm. is terrific. And I know you're starting something called family relief and resolution packages, which I personally relate to also. Do you want to tell everyone about that, Brian? Well, what I do, um, it's not really a formal thing, but I've done it with a few people. Um, so I had, if you, if you want to work with me in grief, I offer a package of three sessions just as a, as a bundle. Because sometimes people like, And by the way, I want to repeat this. If someone wants to talk to you, they can get a free half hour Yes, yes. Session, yes. right? Yes, so yes. later on, we're going to get your contact information. So I think that's a one wonderful that you do yeah. that so that they so, can explore. Yeah. And so, um, so what I do, I, I've done this with a couple of, of families. I have, uh, I have a few clients where I've, I've worked together with them as couples because they're having they're having issues, usually around grief, and they're they're, they're grieving in different and maybe differently. And so uh, I think of, I can think of one couple right now where tragic case where the granddaughter was killed oh. and they had some religious issues around it. Right. So one was looking at it one way and the other was looking at it the other way. And they were just having trouble speaking with each other about it with and, and maintaining their composure. So I can be like a third party that, that they bounce it off of. And one says, this is what I'm saying. And I don't think he hears me. And, and he says, well, this is what I'm th saying. And I don't think she hears me. And then I can kind of interpret for each other. You know, this is this is what she's saying, or this is what what he's saying. Um, so I, I've done that with with a few families where, you know, something like that. Or I, I had a. Um, you help them to de-escalate and appreciate and accept each other's point of view. 
Yeah, yeah, and that, and I've had people that have, you know, uh, this was a this was a woman who had gone through a divorce, and her son was struggling with with the role of her fa with of the father, so you know he was able he was able to talk to me right as a, as a third party as a disinterested third disinterested third party about what he was experiencing with his father and 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 with his mother, and as you know as a kid he couldn't really talk to his friends about it because it's kind of embarrassing. So I can be a part of, you know, he can bounce things off of. And I, I, I think it helped in that situation. That can so, be really great. Yeah, it, it can be really helpful for people like that. Like I said, because sometimes our emotions are so tied up in things, we can't communicate with the one that we love the most. And because we might be grieving differently, we'll, we'll say, well, if they really loved that person, they would be grieving the way I am. And it's not, it's not true. We all, we all take things differently and we all have different roles. And again, I can think of this one couple, it was it was based around religion because the one person was saying, well, this is the way my faith tells me to behave. And this is the reason I'm behaving this way. And the other person was like, but you're not acting like a human being. You know, you're not expressing your emotions. And it was causing a rift. Um, I think it's wonderful that you do that. I mean, I actually had a, a, a situation like that in my own family. I was telling you about it and it was really helpful, really mm -hmm. helpful. What are the, now listen, Brian, I know that you're not, personally meeting with the people from Australia or Brazil or wherever you're going. So how are you, so do you work with people through Zoom? How are the different ways that you work with people that they can reach out to you? You know, it's interesting. I've been doing this, as I said, since like 2019. It happened to work out great because COVID hit us last year. Uh, I've only seen a couple of clients face to face. Most of my clients are remote. I was, I told you, I talked to a guy from Brazil this morning. I have a couple of clients in Germany. Australia, I uh, just talked to a guy from Cambodia, Switzerland. Um, so really people all over the world, that's the great thing about the technology that we have now. Uh, so the only barrier really is time zones and we can usually work, work that out. So um, for me, I, I love, I love the, the fact that I can meet people this way. Um, it's, it's, you know, someday I might have a physical office, maybe not. Um, but it, it, I find that there's, we can look at each other. I love Zoom because I can look you in the eye. It feels like we're, we're kind of in the same room. And I, the only I thing that's like missing I, is the hug. But other yeah. than that, we're... <laughs> yeah, I feel like I know you and I've never met you in person. And, it, right. and it's funny because there are people I've known for years. I, we were talking about Kat Bailey and I saw her on Facebook this morning. I'm like, I've actually never met Kat in person, but I feel like I know her. We'll both be doing that in August. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm looking forward to it. Now, I know that you've developed and discovered special techniques and resources through your own personal experiences and the experiences of others that have brought you so much wisdom and led you, you to transformation and growth. Would you like to describe those special techniques and resources that can help people throughout the world? The yeah. Brian Smith method. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. And I don't, I don't, I don't mean to brag, but I've been doing this. You can this on this for, podcast. You can you can brag all you want. Go for I, it. I've been doing this for you know, in a, in a sense, for almost forty years now, as far as being on a spiritual quest. And then I started studying. Uh, see, Shana will be twenty two now, so a little over twenty years ago, I started studying the afterlife. I started by reading Gary Schwartz's book, uh, The Afterlife Experiments. So I have read tons on on mediumship near-death experiences, afterlife communications, remote viewing, you know, all that kind of stuff. I've got about 150 podcasts, I think, out now. I've spoken with experts all over the place. I've, I've been fortunate enough to work with Dr. Mark Pixted and Terry Daniel, and I work with Gary Schwartz in a kind of remote way. I don't work with them on a daily basis. 
Um, I've gotten to meet, you know, Suzanne Wilson, Suzanne Giesman, these fantastic mediums. And, you know, I've interviewed some really expert leaders in the field. So I picked up a little bit along the way. And I really believe that I believe in, I remember when I was a kid, going back to my religious background, they said, you can't have religious stew. You've got to just go with, you know, what we teach you is true. You can't pick from A and pick from B. You know, it's not a Chinese menu. You can't, you know, and it's, I find it's exactly the opposite. I incorporate a little bit of everything I find. I find there's some truth in everything. Not everything is the entire truth. So I kind of bring that together and then I see where people need. So it's, it's funny, I'll be talking to someone and they'll, I just kind of know it's like, this is the book you need to read. You need to read this book by Bernardo Castrop, or you need to read this book by Charles Eisenstein, or you need to listen to this song, you know, because I, I, I love music and music speaks to me very deeply. So I'll say, you need, you know, you need to listen to this artist or go find this podcast episode. I was talking to this young man this morning who had gotten into my NDE, NDE podcast because people love NDEs. And I said, but listen to my other podcast too, because there's a lot of, a lot of good stuff there. So what I kind of do is I'm kind of a, clearinghouse i guess i pick up this stuff along the way and then i pass it on to other people i think that's great i have to say i take a little page out of your book too because i do that with a lot of people also it's it's really wonderful to to go through what we've been through and be able to pay it forward mm -hmm. yeah. it really it's really great um now brian smith of all people in the world what is your message about the importance of healing that you'd like to share with everyone today why should people go to all this trouble to heal their stuff? Yeah, here's the thing. I think that everything that happens to us happens for a reason. And again, we could we could discuss this in depth. I know that people have different feelings about that, but I, I believe it does. And even if you don't accept that as a premise, whatever happens to us, we have the op, we have the option of how we react to it. So I tell people try on two stories: either things happen randomly and it, nothing nothing matters, or Everything happens for a reason. And what's my lesson in this? So I believe that this world is set up, and I hesitate to say this, but it's set up to have pain. It's set up to have disappointment. It's built in. It's part of the plan. It's not an accident. Um, it's like an obstacle course. The obstacles in the course are not there by mistake. They're there for us to overcome. So I believe that we have set this up for ourselves. We're not being punished. It's not God. We've said, what? how would I handle this? So healing is just part of it, it something happens to us right and then how do we react to it now when my daughter passed away i didn't think that healing was possible first of all and i didn't want to heal i mean i literally thought the best way to honor her would be to be miserable for the rest of my life to show how much i love my daughter i wanted people to say he's never been the same since she passed away but I realized that wasn't fair to the people around me. There are people that depend on me. My wife, Ty, as you mentioned, my daughter, Kayla, um, they're people that depend on me. And I realized that wasn't my plan. That's not my life plan. That wasn't Shana's plan for my life when Shana passed. I believe healing is part of all of our plans. I believe that we can choose to heal. And why wouldn't you want to? I mean, our loved ones want us to, and I think a lot of times what holds us back is one is guilt, because we feel like for some reason we're responsible for what happened to us. And two is we feel like we're honoring our loved one by not, by, by not healing. But imagine that they're there with you, that they're sitting literally in the room with you. And I mean, they, I think they are literally in the room. And they are. And I believe they right. are. So how would they feel about you being miserable for the rest of your life? How would you feel if you passed on 
Would you want your loved ones to be miserable for the rest of your life? Unless you're a total narcissist, probably not. You probably want them to be joyous. You want them to be happy. So I believe this is what my daughter wants for me. And I believe that if I didn't do it, I would be dishonoring her. So that's why it's important for me. Everybody can make their own choice, but I'm here to help people that want to make that choice to heal. Okay. And I, first of all, again, I go back to it. It's possible because when this first happens, you don't feel like it's even possible. You think it's not going to happen. So for, for me, and I got to tell you this real short story. Oh, please do. One of the first grief meetings I went to, I was, again, I wasn't ready to heal, didn't want to heal, but my wife took me to this meeting. So I go to this meeting. There's a woman sitting there. She's about 10 years in. She was miserable. She talked about how it wasn't fair that her daughter was, was dead, how she went to her grave, you know, like every day or every week or something. She was never going to get any better. And she was just angry. And I realized how she made everybody else in the room feel. We're all brand new and most of us are brand new into this. We're sitting around this room and I knew how she made me feel. I thought, I don't want to ever make anyone feel that way. I don't know if I can heal. But I do not want to be that woman. I do not want to be on this planet in 10 years spreading that kind of negativity. Uh, and there are some people that do. They will hold on to that bitterness for the rest of their lives. I liken it to they're carrying a backpack full of unhappy, huge rocks, and they're lugging it around with them. And then they're, and they're banging it over everybody else's head with it also. Yeah, exactly. More than just carrying a backpack, you're exactly right. I was going to say they're throwing the rocks at other people because <laughs> there was a person that was a, a parent whose, whose son had passed away and they decided that everybody they met, that was going to be the first thing out of their mouths. You know, how are you feeling? My son died. You know, you become that person whose son died. That's that's not who you want to be. You know, that's something that happened to you. That's not who you are. Right. And you don't have to carry that with you. Um, and the thing is, we're all ultimately going to heal anyway, someday. Why not do it now? Why not enjoy this life that we've been given? Why not honor our, our loved one? I, you know, when I see my daughter, I want her to say, I am so proud of you. Uh, that's what I want to hear from her. That's right. And you inspire, and she inspired you to, to make such a difference in the world. Yeah. It's wonder that that's the good part about it. So now that everyone's all psyched and they want to contact you for grief counseling and for help life coaching and all that. Um, I want you to please tell everyone how they can connect with you. And also please tell them about your podcast, Grief to Growth, and your book, Grief to Growth, Planted, Not Buried. Okay, sure. Go for it. Everything is grief to growth. Uh, grief to growth. So it's grief, the number two growth. And my website is grief to growth.com. My podcast is grief to growth. And as I said, I've interviewed near death experts, mediums, you know, uh, people, uh, all kinds of experts and lots of different things, religion, philosophy, et cetera. Um, and then I offer life coaching and grief counseling. You can go to my website. Uh, you can schedule a free half hour consultation there. There's a scheduled button or button at the top of every page. Um, and, and, and so I'd be happy to talk to you. I don't do sales pitches. So when people say, you know, I don't, you know, I know this free thing is just a way to get me in. I, it's funny because usually at the end of my sessions, people are like, well, how can I contact you? Because I, I, I won't tell you unless you want to know. Uh, I, I don't want to, I, you know, I don't, I don't want to turn anybody away, but I don't want you to work with me unless you want to work with me. Um, if you're, if healing you're, is a choice, healing is a choice. After they fuck you, that's their choice. Do they want it's to absolutely go a choice. And I, and I'm not the person for everybody. And I'll tell you if I, I don't feel like I'm the person for you. Um, but I, I want to, I, I just so enjoy 
being able to, to help people and to give people that that hope that they that they can heal. So again, you know, if you if you want to check me out, the best way, easiest way to check me out is on the podcast. Uh, the book is really inexpensive and it's a really short read. So you know, you can read the book. And then if you decide you want to book some time with me, I'd be happy to talk to you. That's great. So basically, they can go to grief to growth. Yes, grief the number, number two. Growth. Mm -hmm. dot com. Yeah. Okay. And the Brian Smith tip for finding joy in life. Ta-da! The tip for finding joy in life is um, it's really understanding why you're here, why we're here, and who we are. I think the biggest problem in the world today is people literally have forgotten who we are as human beings. We are not the bodies that we we inhabit. We are not our brains. Um, we are, our consciousness precedes us being here. Our consciousness will continue after we're here. If you understand that, then everything in this world starts to come a little bit more into focus and fall a little bit more into place. And then you'll start to seek what's my, what's my place in life. Now, again, I, I find so many people are like, I'm not fulfilling my purpose. I can almost guarantee you that you are. Because you, I, my, I, I know I think it's planted, not buried, but another one of my taglines is grow where you're planted. Whatever you're doing, do it the best of your ability. That's where you'll find joy. So if you're sweeping floors, if you're a stay-at-home mother, if you are a career whatever, do the best job you can do and look for opportunities to serve other people. And that's how you'll find joy. I could not agree with you more. Brian, your deep knowledge of both spirituality and science, coupled with your honesty, straightforwardness, and love, continue to contribute to your remarkable mission to help others who are dealing with death and a fear of death. Thank you for the important and transformative work you're doing in the world through your enlightened grief coaching, your uplifting life coaching, your Grief to Growth podcast, and your book, Grief to Growth, Planted, Not Buried. And thank you from my heart for gifting all of us with this moving, inspiring, and healing interview today. And here's a reminder, everyone, that you can see the show notes and all Grief and Rebirth podcast episodes on irenweinberg.com. And make sure to follow us and like us on social at, at Irene S. Weinberg on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and especially on YouTube. Like, subscribe, and hit notify to make sure you will get the inspiring new interviews coming your way. Thank you. And as I like to say, to be continued, many blessings and bye for now. Mm -hmm.